From WSCFM and HD1 Columbia, I'm Justin Walsh. And I'm Lydia Blackstone. This is Politically Inclined from WUSC News. Coming up on this week's show, after President Trump refused to participate in a virtual presidential debate, he and former President Biden had a dueling town halls this past Thursday evening. Biden's ABC town hall brought in more than 14 million viewers outperforming President Trump's town hall. We'll unpack the substance of Biden's town hall with WSC political correspondent Abigail Brandon. Then we discuss President Trump's town hall. There was a lot of controversy leading up to Trump's town hall as NBC faced backlash for airing the forum at the same time as Biden's. However, that didn't stop moderator Savannah Guthrie from asking Trump about many topics. We'll talk more about those issues and others with USC student Robert Cathcart. All that and more coming up on this week's episode of Politically Inclined. The news is first. Live from WUSC News, I'm Kaylee Olivas. The Orchard Apartment Complex was the host to over 2,000 students this past Saturday during the Gamecock-Auburn football game. Those students who were in attendance were not seen wearing masks or abiding by the social distance executive order. As WUSC's Ward Jollis reports, with the help of the Columbia Fire Department and other local officials, the crowd was dispersed around halftime. Thousands of people packed together at the Orchard Apartment Complex on Saturday afternoon, many without wearing masks. The crowd, composed mostly of students, were partying during the USC-Auburn football game. Videos and pictures of the massive crowd went viral on social media, many people criticizing the students at the party for disregarding public health guidelines. Columbia fire officials estimate that over 2,000 students were in attendance and worked with other local law enforcement to disperse the crowd around halftime. While restrictions on restaurants and bars in South Carolina have recently eased, officials say that there is still a clear disregard for other mandates here, including Richland County's mask-wearing ordinance and Governor Henry McMaster's social distancing executive order on large gatherings. Fire department officials say that no rest or citations were issued. More jealous, WUSC News. The Gamecocks battled head-to-head with the nationally ranked Auburn Tigers this past Saturday and walked away with their second win of the season. The Gamecocks defense showed up this weekend with running back Kevin Harris leading the team in 83 yards and two touchdowns. Carolina defeated Auburn 30-21. This was the first game between the two that Carolina has won since 1933. The Gamecocks will be taking on last year's national champions, Louisiana State University, this Saturday, October 24th at 7 p.m., and you won't want to miss it. The South Carolina State Fair will look a little different this year in Columbia. As most events have become a drive through the fair will too. The South Carolina State Fair will have two different sets of dates, one for food and one for experiencing the fair itself with everything being free. The state, will begin, the state fair will begin tomorrow through the 21st for a drive through experience. A separate area for food will be open to the public starting tomorrow through the 24th from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. For more information on this year's state attraction, please visit sc.statefair.org. It's going to be a year like no other. Washington, D.C. was home to a women's protest march this past Saturday. The protest was held concerning President Trump and his nomination of Supreme Court Judge Amy Coney Barrett. As WUSC's Sarah Hudock-Jeffrey reports, Judge Barrett's nomination has certainly come with some debate and conflict. This Saturday, there was a women's march in Washington, D.C. to protest against President Trump and his nomination of Judge Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court. The women's march executive director said, The election is all about the Supreme Court. It's all about health care. It's all about COVID. 
Judge Barrett refused to say whether the landmark abortion case Roe v. Wade was correctly decided at her confirmation hearing. She has a conservative voting record in abortion-related cases, and her nomination to the Supreme Court has been pushed and championed by conservatives. The Women's March crowd was smaller than at previous marches, and they all had to wear masks. The marchers were met at the steps of the Supreme Court by a group of women organized in counter-protests by the Independent Women's Forum in support of Judge Barrett's nomination. Conservative activist Sandy Chiang said, Judge Barrett is a role model for, for young women everywhere, an independent thinker. This is Sarah Hudak Jeffrey with WSC News. Stocks took quite a fall today, the Dow Jones Industrial Average dropping 408 points, the Nasdaq down 191 points, and the S&P 500 down 56 points. It's currently 75 degrees outside, mostly sunny with a low of 55 tonight. The high for tomorrow is 81 degrees with a low of 64. I'm Kaylee Olivas, and you're listening to WUSC News. It's 6.07. Friends don't let friends drive drunk. 31% of traffic deaths involve drunk driving. If your friend had too much to drink, they don't have to drive. Here are three ways to keep your friend alive. Drive them home and be careful. Have your friends stay over. Or call a cab or Uber. You don't have to be a superhero to save a life. Be a bro, take their keys. Driving sober is the easiest way to decrease your risk of accidents. Good night. Brought to you by the cool kids. Stay cool. You're listening to Politically Inclined from WSC News. I'm Justin Walsh. In his ABC town hall, former Vice President Biden used his time to clarify his stances on numerous issues. After the first debate, Biden was criticized for not taking hardline positions on issues of national importance, including fracking and the environment, and whether or not he'd consider adding more seats to the Supreme Court if elected to presidency. Here with us today to discuss how Biden handled the criticism in his town hall is WSC political correspondent Abigail Brandon. Abigail, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for asking me to be here. Of course. So let's just get right into it. So um, overall, after viewing Biden's town hall, how do you believe he carried himself and he handled himself throughout the event? So I think that that is um, a question that kind of needs a little bit of context. So I'm only 20 years old. So this is really only the second uh, presidential election that I've really been like aware of what's going on. So this um, town hall as compared to like last 2016, the last presidential election, I feel like it was a lot more professional than almost anything that happened four years ago. I feel like this is a very different take on politics than I have really ever seen before in my politically active lifetime, if that makes sense. I feel like it was a lot more of what I think a politician should act like, as opposed to some of the messy politics that we've seen for the majority of my, you know, young adulthood. Yeah, I know a lot of our listeners and I myself, this is one of my first, this is my first presidential election voting. So this was definitely set the president for a lot of future debates and, and things like that. So I just want to get into a few of the specifics from his speech. A big talking point surrounding his speech right now involved his disliking of court packing, yet he told us he would have a clear answer at the latest election day. Do you think his lack of elaboration on the issue and his stance on it overall will affect voters' perception of him? So I think, yes. I feel like it makes him look a little bit 
wishy-washy I feel like it kind of almost forces him into that trap of like oh the usual politician that's slimy and doesn't ever really come up with like a standard solid answer on anything I feel like it does kind of force him into that box however I do agree with his reasoning as to why he said he didn't want to give um like a real answer right now is because he said if he answers that solidly then that will be the headline tomorrow and it will take away from the current events that will that are actually currently happening so i agree with his reasoning but i do feel like it kind of puts him into that little wishy-washy camp absolutely so um another thing that biden is recently receiving criticism about regarding the whole town hall was the fact that he didn't acknowledge some of his crime bill criticisms he brought up uh, his role in writing the violence against women act as a part of the bill but never touched upon the wholesale incarceration of black men that mandatory minimum sentencing provisions led to. So do you think Biden handled that properly or could have done more when this was brought up or elaborated on the whole, like, bill itself or the act? I think that he knows that that's a bit of a point of contention between him and his supporters. And he knows that for the most part, uh, Democrats and people who might be more progressive aren't really looking for that right now. So I feel like he's trying to just avoid that topic because it's not something that's really going to get him a lot of support. And I don't think that that's necessarily the right way to go about it. But he did mention that when he passed that bill, it did have a lot of bipartisan support and a lot of support from um, Black community leaders, like Black mayors and um, uh, other, you know, people in office, people of color in office. So I, I think that he probably should have said more, but he did come up with that reasoning behind it. Mm-hmm. And obviously, We can't go any political discussion or debate recently or even a town hall without bringing up the coronavirus and its implications. So when asked about a possible coronavirus vaccine, Biden claimed that he would take it and he encourages others to also take it once it's readily available to the public. And he compared his concern. He compared his views on COVID-19 and its vaccine to how Trump treats the possibility of a vaccine being sooner than we think. Do you think appeal? Do you think this appeals to voters in his realism regarding when a COVID vaccine will actually come out and what will be readily available to the public? I think it does because he has consistently said that he's going to side with the scientists and agree with the scientists on whatever they think is right. So I think that if that's what's getting him, you know, the support then the realism in that sense, I think that that's the right direction to go in. Awesome. And um, so after viewing statistics came out, as we know, Trump and Biden both had their own town halls. After statistics came out, it was revealed that more people actually watched Biden on ABC than that Trump did on NBC, MSNBC, and CNBC. ABC averaged 14.1 million viewers, and while Trump's gross audience across three channels was only 13.5 million, Do you think there's a reason behind this? What's your take on it? I think we kind of already knew how Trump's town hall was going to go. We kind of already knew that it was going to be messy because the last debate was messy. And I think people are just tired of messy. I think they're really wanting a politician who's actually going to be a politician and not a TV star. So I think that the ratings aren't really the most important thing here. 
even though they do plan to Biden's favor. And my last question to you, um, just wrapping all this up, in spite of any criticism they had or any implications regarding Trump versus Biden, do you think Biden's town hall presence and his speech ultimately hurt or helped him in the race? How do you think he did overall? I think it helped him. I definitely think that it helped him because it's going to show him as a um, respectable politician aside from like that it's it's setting him apart from the messiness that we've recently seen so i think that that like i don't want to say poise but like that respectability that he showed i think that that's definitely going to help him out in the long run here very nice thank you so much for joining us today abigail really appreciate it thank you so much for having me of course that was wsc political correspondent abigail we will be right back Pretend like their music is your music. Ah, oh, this is mommy's jam. Then surely you'll check NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're in the right car seat. Let's play it again. Check today at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Act Council. Welcome back. President Trump spared with NBC moderator Savannah Guthrie during his town halls on Thursday. Guthrie pressed him on hard numerous issues. What his enumeration, enumeration's plan is to repeal and replace Obamacare, coronavirus, white supremacy, and taxes. Here to talk more about President Trump's town hall is USC student Robert Cathcart. Robert, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, great to have you. First, just to start it off, before we get into the actual topics of the town hall, let's start off talking about the controversy of NBC hosting this. Um, do you think that NBC hosting this town hall with Trump at the same time as Biden was a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, I don't think it was a bad thing at all. I think, A, they made a financial decision to show something that would attract viewers. Um, so I think from their standpoint, it was a good idea. I think also giving the president and former vice president equal time is always a good idea um, to allow both of them to be able to express their ideas. And I think it was really interesting to sort of see the controversy or the contrast rather between the president and vice president speaking simultaneously, but not speaking to one another. Do you think this is this idea of having them both have their speaking time separate away from each other um, helped to get the public um, to see their opinions more than they would in a debate style? I mean, I think in some ways, um, you know, I think it was interesting the last debate, it was much more sort of clashing, um, whereas this way we're able to sort of see what both men are made of in a way. We're able to see their policies more clearly because they weren't attacking one another, they were attacking more generally policies. I mean, I'd say that um, President Trump definitely had a more combative uh, time, and I think some of that was just due to the moderator, but I don't think it was a, in a bad way. I think they were both very respectful of one another. Uh, Savannah Guthrie was going to get her questions asked and she was going to get her answers. And I really appreciated that. Yeah. So do you think that those questions, she really pressed him on a lot of things. Do you think that they represented a lot of questions that voters may have? And you think that her pressing him hard was a fair thing as a moderator? Or do you think that it may have had a lean to it? Right. So, I mean, one could argue perhaps that there was a lean. I'd say it's more in contrast to the Joe Biden uh, town hall than it was in uh, sort of a bias against President Trump. 
I would say that I think Trump had a much more capable opponent in the town hall than he would have had in a debate. Um, I don't think Vice President Biden would have pushed him quite as hard. Vice President Biden also doesn't really know what it's like to be pushed hard by a moderator. So I think that's a very interesting contrast. Uh, but I don't think it was a bad thing. Interesting. Um, so one thing that was talked about was um, if President Trump will um, say will accept whatever the decision is made um, in the outcome of the election. Um, he says if there's voter fraud involved, I will not accept the outcome. But he says if there if there isn't, he will. But however, do you think that there is any voter fraud happening right now? I mean, I don't have the access to the same kind of information that the president would have. Um, I mean, there's there's definitely a potential, right? We're looking at a whole different kind of election. We're looking at an election waged both at the ballot box. On the day of the election, we have early voting and we have lots of ballots being mailed in. There seem to be a lot of inconsistencies. I'm not entirely sure. I just don't have the expertise. I will say I will be working the elections on election day. I'll be on the Casey election, Municipal Elections Commission. Um, so I'll probably get a better view of it then. I've, got my meeting come up on Thursday, so probably briefed a little more then. But as of right now, I don't have enough information to be able to say definitively one way or another. However, I think there's a much larger potential for it. That's an interesting perspective, the fact that you're working that. That's very nice. Um, do you sure. think that these um, two uh, town halls, do you think that these um, were able to swing voters' decisions any? That's always the question, isn't it? Um, yeah. Have voters already pretty much decided? Are there these sort of mythological undecided voters? They do bring them forward. Say, they say that this is an undecided they, voter. Do you think that those are real, you know? I, I mean, they claim, but then they're like, well, they're leaning this way or that way. Um, you know, so the true mythological undecided voter, I think, is a very slim margin this election. I've seen a number of um, articles that have said, you know, TV ads are basically like, like they don't really have a purpose at this point most people have an opinion it's a very public election there are two very public officials so we'll see as of now the last question that i have for you is the final in-person debate between trump and biden is still set for october 22nd in nashville um how do you think that this is going to go down do you think that it's going to go down different than the first debate i think right. we've learned I think we'll see <laughs> right um yeah so many lessons could be learned right um President Trump's going to be combative. Uh, Vice President Biden's going to try to hit back, um, which I think is a very interesting take, um, a little different than I think in 2016. Um, but it really depends, I think, on the moderator. How much time is the moderator going to be butting in? Is the moderator going to be butting in equally uh, to both candidates? I think it'll be fun to see them. It was sort of nice to have the debate and then have them separately and then have another debate again. Uh, so we can really see the moderators press them on issues individually and for them to sort of clash against one another. I'm going to have to cut you off there, but thank you so much, Robert, for being with us. That was USC student Robert Cathcart, and that's all for Politically Inclined this week. Keep checking in with us on Mondays at 6 for more on what's going on in politics. Politically Inclined is a production by WSC News and is produced by Stephanie Justice and Ward Jollis. The outreach coordinator for Politically Inclined is Julie Crosby, and the music for Politically Inclined is called Fluffy by Smith the Mister. You can go find other news shows and WUSC News podcast at garnetmediagroup.org. From WSC News in Columbia, I'm Lydia Blackstone. And I'm Justin Walsh. This is Politically Inclined. We will see you next week.